So we're in the, uh, the second week of our Proverbs series, and uh, I wanted to give just a brief moment, and, and Russ may have touched on this a little bit last week, but for those of you who are new this morning, give you an idea of how this came about. Uh, a little while ago, a couple months ago, as Russ and I began to uh, pray with the, with the elders and the rest of the staff, what would our community need to hear? Uh, what would we want to talk about in this fall? Um, this idea of Proverbs came up, and just how rich the book of Proverbs is. And so our idea was, let's find a a bunch of different themes that Proverbs speak to. And we came up with somewhere between 25 and 30 different themes that kind of run throughout the book of Proverbs. And we put them in uh, in a list, and we sent that list out to our small group leaders and our staff and our elders and key volunteers and uh, people that are really vested in our community. And we asked them the question to vote on what themes, what topics from the book of Proverbs did they think was important that our community would hear? What themes, as you read through that list, do you think it would be critical for us to hear as a community? And so a number of those came back, and some had zero votes, and some had a lot of votes. And from that list, we sat down and we said, yeah, we totally agree with this, and, and these are the eight, nine, ten talks that we're going to give. These are the themes that we are going to chase after. One of that themes today uh, is this idea of living a disciplined life. Living a disciplined life, which brings us to the word keep, and that's how we're framing this, the word keep. So if you want to, uh, turn to the book, uh, or to chapter 8 in the book of Proverbs. I'll give you a moment to do that. I'm going to read this short section. It's from 8.32 to 36, and I want you to key in on these uh, first couple of verses, really from about 32 to 34. And here's what it says, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. So today we're looking uh, about this idea of living a disciplined life. And what I found so interesting when we received all these votes back is this was tied for number one. So more than any of the other 30 topics, with the exception of the one that it tied with, people said this is what our community needs to hear. Living a disciplined life. So let me be real frank and upfront in the beginning. This talk, uh, this message is really intended for those of us who know and trust and already are following Jesus. For those of us uh, maybe who know the truth but might be struggling to follow, might be struggling to make good decisions. That is what this message, those, uh, this is who this message is intended for. So even though the content is kind of intended for people that are on that path, that are chasing after Jesus, desiring to live that way, I do believe the principles hold up and the principles are sound for those who may not be in that place in life, who may just kind of be wondering about Jesus, who may not have made a decision to trust and to follow Jesus. So as we begin, we're talking about discipline. The scripture uses this word discipline in three primary ways. The first is this way, to punish Find it in uh, 1 Corinthians 11.32. I'm not going to read it, but you can turn there if you're interested. It's the idea of how we discipline a child. 
So there's discipline used in that context, to discipline somebody, uh, to receive disciplinary action. The second is to teach, to instruct, or to train. It's to instruct someone on how, uh, or, or the way that is best, the, the, the best type of way to go about something or, or to live in a certain way. And it kind of has a lighter connotation, obviously, than this idea of punish. So it's still an instruction, it's still a teaching, but it has a little bit of a lighter, uh, lighter connotation than punishing somebody. And the third is this, to behave in a sensible manner with thoughtful awareness to what is best. To behave in a sensible manner with thoughtful awareness to what is best. It's being, uh, it's like an athlete that disciplines themselves for training, is really disciplined in how they train or disciplined in how they eat. And it's this connotation, it's this uh, definition, this use of discipline that we're chasing after today. So how to live in a disciplined manner. The dictionary says it this way, to be disciplined is showing a controlled form of behavior or way of working. Showing a controlled form of behavior or way of working. And the scripture uses several words to talk about this idea of discipline. Uh, kind of the older versions of scripture would use the word temperance, which we don't use a lot anymore. Uh, but the King James uh, version of the Bible would use the word temperance. Uh, or another way is the idea of self-control. Self-control. So this idea of living in a disciplined life, uh, if you're reading the scripture, your Bible might say uh, temperance or it might say self-control. These, all these ideas are kind of uh, interchangeable for this idea of showing a controlled form of behavior. So in Proverbs, the phrase living a disciplined life never comes up, but the idea of living with discipline living with a controlled form of behavior, jumps off the pages throughout the reading, throughout those, uh, the, the 31 chapters of Proverbs. If you read through, you would see this idea come up over and over and over again. When I was preparing, I was wondering why living a disciplined life was tied for the most. Why does our community think that we need to hear this, that this is a critical message that our community at large would need to hear? Why is this such an important idea? Other than the idea that maybe people just want to be more disciplined, is there something that's going on? Why do we think, uh, why is there a desire to hear this? Why is there a need to hear this? And I'm going to throw that question out, and I want to get some uh, crowd participation. So why do we think that this is an important message for us to hear this morning? And you can just yell things out. Obedience. Good. Countercultural. Countercultural. Good. Other ideas. Why is this an important message for us to hear? Difficult to accomplish things if you don't have a plan? Is that? Yeah, good. Making sense of disorder. Making sense of disorder. Well done. Overcoming habitual sin. Good. I think all these things are right. I, th I mean, I think we're touching on, on, on all of these issues. This morning as we talk, I want you to kind of think about it outside of this. Because when I hear disciplined life, I think about somebody that gets up early. Like, that's just kind of the first thing you think about. Like, oh, person's disciplined, they're always up early. So that is not really what we're talking about this morning, right? The discipline that we're talking about this morning is not just setting your alarm for 30 minutes earlier, or it's not just sticking to a diet better, or it's not hitting the gym three times a week versus two times a week. It's not even about reading your Bible uh, for longer each day or being more diligent in your devotional study. It might entail those things, those might be pieces of it, but really what I'm talking about this morning is this. 
A life that consistently displays the ethic of Christ in word and action and thought. I'm talking about a life grounded with purpose and lived with meaning. One that is not overtaken with laziness and doubt, regret and guilt. Now, it's not necessarily without mistake, but it is humble and honest. And it's willing to seek and to extend forgiveness. It's a life that's not swayed with the blowing winds of change and temptation. It's really a life that is lived with control over actions, feelings, moods, and thoughts. And it's not a life held back by poor decisions and indiscretion. So when we think about living a disciplined life, that is what we're chasing after this morning. That picture of a life is what we're looking for. This idea of living a disciplined life, Russ and I have talked, um, I would almost go out on a limb and say, this is what Russ and I have talked about more consistently over the course of the last five years than anything else, with maybe the exception of soccer, because Russ talks a lot about soccer. Um, But uh, in terms of where we're at as a community, uh, the interactions, the meetings that we're having with uh, people within our community, this tends to be the thing that comes back up is how are we communicating this to our community? How are our people, uh, the the new community people, living with a disciplined life right now? And I think partly we talk a lot about this because uh, we want to live lives of purpose and meaning. Russ and I do. We want to be honorable men, and so we're checking in with each other on this. But I think also because we spend a lot of time with people who are really struggling in their life, struggling in their relationships, struggling with their faith. And I think both of us would agree that a lot of that, we think, can be attributed to a lack of discipline. And so we talk about this a lot. My hope this morning is to bring uh, a little bit of light to this situation and then challenge all of us, myself included. So this is not a message where I'm talking to you. This is a message where we are talking with each other about how do we take some steps forward in this idea of living with discipline. Let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll go back to the Scripture. Lord, I, uh, Lord, my hope in this is as we listen, uh, as we hear from you, we would have sober judgment of ourselves, that we would be honest with ourselves and uh, take the time to look within and ask ourselves the sometimes hard questions about how are we truly living right now. So be with us in this endeavor, Lord, and and we pray that your words would bring life, would bring truth, would bring conviction to us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Let me read this scripture again from Proverbs 8, 32 to 36. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. 
In your Bible, you may notice that these words are in quotes, and that's because Solomon here is actually quoting Psalm 119, a psalm that is declaring the beauty of the law, the beauty of the Scripture, and then urging us to live accordingly. Look at the law. How beautiful is it? I want to meditate on the law, and I want to live like the law. And so Solomon is going ahead and and quoting this Scripture. I believe as we look at this, there are three elements, three key elements to living a a disciplined life. And we're going to look at these three key elements by starting at verse 34 and working our way back up the verse, all right? The first one is this. The disciplined life starts with desire. The disciplined life starts with a desire. Verse 34 says, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Before we can ever entertain the idea of living with discipline, we need to first ask ourselves, what do I desire? What is it that I desire? The imagery of waiting at the gates, waiting daily at the gates, refers to eager students waiting for their teacher or their rabbi to arrive. So they would go to the gates and they would wait there for their teachers to show up. They just eagerly were waiting. They desired to learn. And so they got up and they went to the gates and they waited for their teacher, for their rabbi to show up. True desire in someone is something that cannot be missed. When you see somebody that has a true desire for something, it's very easy to notice it. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you eagerly awaited something? You eagerly waited something or you truly desired something? One of the traditions in our family every year happens on Labor Day. And so my, uh, my parents live in Spokane, and my, I have two older sisters. They live in Spokane. So my uh, immediate family, my nieces and nephews, we're all right here within about 20, 30 minutes of each other. And uh, we have uh, this wonderful family property that's up on uh, a river in kind of northeast Washington, up on the Ponte River. And we spend a lot of time up there during the summer. It's an incredible place to be with our family and, and be with friends. And uh, every Labor Day, we do something called Pirate Day. Now, uh, we have, this is a picture of my family. So this is, uh, this is, this year, this was taken three weeks ago. I cut my hair since then. You can't see it, but I wear this long braid. It's just disgusting. <laughs> but, uh, so this is our family. We dress up like pirates, and then we spend the day being piratey up at the, up at the cabin. This probably sounds ridiculous to you. It's totally normal for our family. Uh, <laughs> And so I'm on the right there, and uh, my son in the middle, he's the, sh- the short one in the middle, uh, kind of looking off, that's Berg. And Berg absolutely loves Pirate Day. Pirate Day is something that we talk about almost as much as we talk about Christmas. He is very, very, all of the boys are excited about Pirate Day, but we talk about this over the course of the year, how excited we are for Pirate Day. And as the, the date draws near, he always asks, is this weekend Pirate Weekend? And, well, no, it's actually three and a half months from now. And, you know, it's like kind of every month we're just saying, pushing it off a little bit more. It's Labor Day, and it's right before school starts. And he eagerly awaits Pirate Day every year. 
This year, my, uh, my wife went back to teaching uh, for the first year in a, in a number of years, and so uh, I just took my, my kids up to Pirate Day. She was trying to get her classroom ready, and, and so unfortunately, she couldn't join us, but I took the boys up uh, for the evening up there, and, and we did Pirate Day, and they were very, very excited. They wore their costumes up the day before Pirate Day, and took our costumes off and got in our jammies and went, uh, went to bed and, and tried to get them all settled down. And I wake up at about 5.30 in the morning to Berg, standing right by my bed, just looking right at me like that, full pirate costume. He had already, he had already come downstairs, got it in the bag, and put on his whole costume again and was just at 5.30 a.m. rocking and rolling, ready for pirate day eagerly awaiting, and we spent the rest of the day having a great time with our family. We do this treasure hunt, and, and, and it's, it's a really, really fun, fun experience. But Berg gives us a good picture of what it looks like to eagerly await something. It's just within him. There's nothing I can do to get it out of him. He just eagerly awaits it, and he cannot wait to go and be a part of Pirate Day. Eagerly waiting at the gates brings this picture of a desire so great that it drives a student to wake before the teacher, to rush down to school, and to wait at the gates for the rabbi. It's what drives Berg to get up early and wait in his costume before the sun's even up. A disciplined life will not happen until it's founded in a personal desire for Jesus Christ. It will not happen until it's founded in a personal desire for Jesus Christ. Honestly, I'd say this. It's too hard, and it takes too much sacrifice just to try and wing it. If you don't really love Jesus, if you don't really desire Jesus, and you just wake up and say, oh, today I'm going to be really disciplined for Jesus, it's probably not going to happen. It has to start with a personal desire for Jesus Christ. It doesn't work just to wing it. We have to actually look back at our desires to say, what is it that I'm disciplined about? If you don't know what your desire is, then look at how you spend your time. If you're questioning, well, what desires do I really have? Look at how you spend your time. And here's my caution with this. It's easy to forget your true desires if you're spending your time pursuing something else. If you say you truly desire Jesus Christ, but you spend your time pursuing other things, it's going to be very, very easy to forget who Jesus is. I liken this a little bit to the YouTube vortex. How many people have ever found themselves in the YouTube vortex? A well-meaning friend or a well-meaning mother sends you this YouTube video, and you click on it, and it's educational, and it's great, and it brought some value to your life and you feel really good about yourself, and then you see all those recommended videos on the side. And you're just like, well, I'm just going to watch this one other video. I mean, I got, I got, you know, six minutes before I need to leave or whatever. And then two hours later, you're kind of like, wake up, and you're like, what just happened? You ended up watching 30 minutes of, like, the most ridiculous thing cats do or something like that. <laughs> YouTube just has that way of sucking you in and wasting time. You completely lose your focus on what was it that I was supposed to be doing. John Piper says this, If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you've nibbled so long at the table of the world, your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. We will not have the desire 
until we begin to fill our lives with the things of Christ. What we desire not only tells a lot about us, but it also shapes our character. If our desires are for worldly things, then we will never be able to live a disciplined life for God. The second one is this. The disciplined life is a choice. Verse 33 says, Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. You see, it's one thing to hear instruction, but another one to choose to follow that instruction. I thought back on, as I was growing up, how many different times did my parents tell me, be smart and don't do this, and then I went ahead and did that exact thing only to experience pain, heartbreak. The desire for a disciplined life is where it starts, then making the choice for a disciplined life is when you really begin to see change. Being disciplined is not something that some people have and others do not. Let me say that again. Being disciplined or living a disciplined life is not something that some people just have and some people do not. Being disciplined is something that some have chosen and some others have not. Some will say, I just don't have it in me. I've never been able to be disciplined. But inevitably, you can look across their lives and you can see other areas of discipline that correspond with the things that they're passionate about or correspond with the desires that they have. I can remember a conversation with a high school kid at breakfast, this is a long time ago, who had recently trusted Christ, and he was beginning to follow Jesus and trying to figure out, what does that look like for me as a 17-year-old? And he was lamenting the fact that he did not have enough discipline in his life to stop having inappropriate physical relationships with girls. He just couldn't do it. It's just kind of been a part of how I always have been, and I don't have the discipline, and I want to follow Christ, but this kind of this one area that I just can't seem to get on track. He said he was never a disciplined kid and he just couldn't do it. It just wasn't part of who he was and his sisters were, his brothers were, and his family was, but he just never got that gene. I can remember the questions that begin to come up in that conversation. Well, hey, what time did you get up this morning? My high school kid says, well, I actually got up at 5.45 a.m. Wow. The the person sitting across from the leader sitting across from said, well, why did you get up so early? He said, well, I, I went to the gym this morning. I'm trying to go to the gym every morning before school. Leader says, well, you went before breakfast? And he says, yeah, I'm doing double days right now because I'm training for football season. So you got up at 5.45 in the morning and you trained. Then you eat breakfast, then you go to school, and then you go back to the gym after school so that you can be ready for football season. There's just kind of this long, pregnant pause. The leader said, yeah, you're pretty undisciplined. It's whether you choose to be disciplined or not. Being disciplined is something that everyone has the capacity for. It's just whether you choose to exercise it or you don't. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Let me caution you by saying, just like the city without walls is vulnerable, a follower of Christ unwilling to make the choice for discipline is vulnerable. Living a disciplined life is a choice. It's a choice to live differently, a choice to choose what is right and to choose 
what is good. Number three, the disciplined life is an action. We could maybe say it this way. The disciplined life is realized with this word, keep. It's where the rubber meets the road. Verse 32, the first verse in that scripture that we're looking at. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Once you have established the desire and you have made the choice, then the action of being disciplined must follow. Because it's not just enough to have the desire, it's not just enough to make the choice, you must also begin to live this way. You must keep and continue keeping the ways of the Lord. Russ and I were talking about this this last week, I was sharing with him what I was going to share about, and he said, well, yeah, this is all really, really good stuff, but what about the question of why? Why would we live this way? What's... I mean, why would anybody say, well, yeah, I'm going to start keeping the ways of the Lord? If a disciplined life is so difficult, it takes so much sacrifice, then why would we do it? Proverbs speak to this by saying, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. You see, the why is because the disciplined life puts you on the path to life. The why is because a life without discipline leaves us broken and without defense. But as I thought about that, as I thought about our conversation, the question of why in of itself, I believe, is the wrong question. I think it's the wrong question because at its core, it's a self-serving question. Essentially, you're asking why. When you're asking why, you're asking, well, what's in it for me? If it takes so much sacrifice, if it's so hard, then why would I do this? What's in it for me to live this way? The Christian life has never been about you. The Christian life has never been about me. What's in it for you? The, question, the answer to that is, well, everything's in it for you, but none of it is about you. The short answer to this question of why is simple, because it's the right way to live not about your comfort. It's not about whether or not you want to. It's because it's the right way to live, and that should be reason enough. You see, we don't always need to answer these types of questions because the Christian life isn't about us, and it's not about our comfort. It's about Christ, and it's about living a life that is set apart for Him. And I think for too long, the church has quietly stood silent as people slowly allow their lives to erode through laziness, poor choices, and settling for what is not best. We hear stories of individual self-detonating. You might even be one of those people. I have been one of those people in my life. And we stand aside and we all kind of hold the assumption that, well, they'll eventually get their heads on straight. And we extend incredible amounts of grace for their actions because of circumstances in their past. Or we figure that the subtle and little compromises in their lives won't actually add up to anything of consequence. Let me say this, that it all has consequences. It's not enough just to assume that they will grow out of it, that you will grow out of it, that I will just grow out of it. Yes, 
We might grow out of it, but there will be a wake of destruction that is left behind. True discipline demands action. And action means keeping the ways of the Lord. And some may be wondering where you are right now. You may say, well, you have the desire and I'm willing to make this choice, but how do I keep the ways of the Lord? How does that even happen? What does that look like for my life? And I don't want to sound grumpy this morning, although I know that my tone is sounding grumpy right now. But here is my answer to that question. We all know how to keep the ways of the Lord. We know what it means to live honorable towards another person. We know what it means to be truthful, what it means to be honest. We know how to live with grace and mercy, how to love others more than yourself. We know how to keep a pure heart. So let us not use the excuse of not knowing how as an excuse. If you truly don't, if this is new to you, if this is your first time hearing about this and you actually don't know what keeping the ways of the Lord means, then find me. Find Russ. Talk to Allison. Turn to the person next to you after the service and say, I want to learn more. I want to know what it means to follow the ways of the Lord. And we will help you. But I honestly believe that 99% of us know what this means. When and only when we begin keeping will we experience the life of discipline. I had a good conversation with a friend recently. Uh, this has been a good friend of mine for the last several years. and We're in my kitchen beginning to talk about some struggles uh, with purity that he was having and things that have kind of been consistent throughout a lot of his life. Things that have followed him for a number of years. But a lot of it honestly could just be passed on to boys being boys. That phrase that we hear a lot, well, it's not major stuff, but it's just kind of hard to be a boy in our culture, and it's just kind of, you know, this is stuff that a lot of times we just say, well, he'll grow out of it. Little indiscretions that maybe every boy, every person that's growing up struggles with. Well, as he's talking, the little indiscretions were becoming more and more apparent in his life, and he was processing how he felt about it to the point of saying, I know what I'm doing right now is going to wreak havoc on my future relationships, but I don't know how to change. I know what I'm doing is ruining my life, but I do not know how to change. Too many of us are in that place right now. Too many of us are in that place. Bonhoeffer says this, strict exercise of self-control is an essential feature of the Christian life. And he goes on to say, if there is no element of asceticism in in our lives, if we are given free reign to the desires of the flesh, we shall find it hard to train for the service of Christ. So, the Christian needs to observe a strict exterior discipline. This is an either-or proposition. Either you're living this way, or you're not. One thing is for sure. Do not pretend or pose to be something that you're not. I believe Jesus would much rather someone honestly conclude that they're not ready to live this way than someone talk the talk but live without discipline. 
me conclude with this last statement. This morning, let us find hope in the reality that this is not a journey without struggle and it is not a journey that we have to go alone. It is a journey that we are on together as a community. One that will be able to finish with grace and mercy and strength because of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for each and every single one of us. It's a journey that can be started fresh this morning. It's a journey that can be continued on this morning knowing that Jesus is big enough to handle whatever issues we have in our lives. Would you pray with me?